Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, what is worship? Here's a simple definition of worship. It's my response to what I value the most. It's always what's kind of in front of my mind. When, when I don't have much I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about this. You see, every single person, when God created you, he created you to be a worshiper. You will, I will worship something or someone. What is worship, and what should worship look like for the everyday Christ follower? Today, Pastor Mark will use a popular story from Daniel as an example to show how several men who were forced to worship an idol or die kept their commitment to God first. The world we live in is very seductive. You may be worshiping the things of this world without even knowing it. You cannot serve both God and this world. Has your devotion been towards God or towards this world? No matter how tough or irrational the situation might be, following God is always the right answer. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel with his message entitled, Bow or Burn. If you're a parent, finish a statement this morning. You've heard your kids say this, Dad, Mom, everybody is... Exactly. You're going to see an extreme example of this this morning. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, most scholars believe between chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's a time gap. We don't know how much. But for sure, chapter 3 relates back to chapter 2. You remember Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream and told him he was the head of gold. His kingdom was the greatest kingdom of those four that we talked about last week that would ever, ever be. Because of that, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to represent himself. He's like into himself. And so he has this expression and glory about him with this image of gold. And uh, it was 90 feet high, (laughs) nine feet wide. It's an eight-story building with your face at the top of the eight-story building. Now, how about that for a little pride? Can I go, oh, my goodness. But also, during different measurements, notice this. 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, the wonderful number of 666. 
You say, well, Pastor Mark, does that relate to anything? Babylon, the Antichrist. Very much so. Now, what is this chapter about? Well, this chapter is about one thing, worship. Say it with me, worship. Well, what is worship? Here's a simple definition of worship. It's my response to what I value the most. It's always what's kind of in front of my mind. When, when I don't have much I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about this. You see, every single person, when God created you, he created you to be a worshiper. You will, I will worship something or someone. Now, amazingly, Satan was the worship leader in heaven. He became prideful just like you see with Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, I don't want to worship God. I know I, I want to worship me. Well, don't look too funky at that because sometimes we're the God that we worship. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my, but we like to have our will done. So you're going to see this worship work itself through the whole passage. What or who do you value the most? And we'll see the ultimate answer to that. Of course, we're to worship God and God alone. Now, why is Nebuchadnezzar doing this? Well, he wanted everybody to worship him. When you look at that statue, hello, him and his gods. He want, didn't want any rebellion. He wanted a unity of worship, just like Satan does. Verse 2. And then he summoned the satraps, perfects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judge, magistrates, and all the other providential officials to come to the dedication of the image he set up. So he calls all of these, remember now, he's the king. So these are just officials that serve him. They don't have a choice. Look at the end of verse three. And all of these come and assemble for the dedication. He, he calls his own party. He's making his own dedication and he's got the people there. And look at the last part of verse three. Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. So they're gonna stand and look at his image and you're going to see what's going to happen. Verse 4. Then a herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language. Now, what does that mean? Remember, he was the ruler, basically, of the known world. So he would capture all kinds of nations. And he brought those people there. So there's all kinds of languages, all kinds of different beliefs in gods. The Jewish people were there. The reason they were there is they started worshiping false gods way before when God said, don't do it. So he, he, he's commanding them loudly. This is what you're commanded to do. Not a suggestion. He's the king. He can command anything he wants. He's an authority. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music. We're going to see that list of music instruments again. I'm going to call it the band from now on. Is that okay with you? It's fine with me. Now, you must, when you hear that music, you must fall down. What's the next word? Worship. The image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Isn't it interesting to you? This is thousands of years ago. What's part of worship? Music. Music. Music is such a huge part 
of worship to God. All the way through the Old Testament, starting in heaven, the worship leader, Satan. And and I want to say kindly to everybody, many of you don't get it. Because worship is, well, it's, it's not on your radar screen. You'll come in time to hear somebody teach, but you come late to worship. Can I just challenge you this morning? When you're late for worship, what you're saying to God is this. My agenda, the things I need to do, are more important than worshiping you. That is not correct. Worship does things when we worship together that teaching doesn't do. It touches a different part of our heart. So could I just, we're all, always, some of us are always late sometimes, whatever, blah, 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 and that's okay. But let me just challenge you. Get out of that old habit. Get here on time to worship. Can I hear two amens from all the campuses at least? Okay. Because that's what it's about. And it doesn't start with me teaching. It starts with you worshiping God from your heart. Amen. Verse six. You know, life has lots of choices. Some of you go out to a restaurant today and the menu is like 12 pages. Takes you forever. Are you ready to order yet? No, come back. Are you ready to order yet? You're trying to figure out your choices. Here's two choices they have. Look at verse six. Whoever does not fall down and worship, there's your word again, 11 times in this chapter, will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Here are the only two options. Look at them. When you hear the music, you're going to bow down. You're going to worship me and my God, or you're going to be burned to death. Pretty simple, huh? Straightforward. You say, wow, that's, that's horrible back then. So understand what you're going to see today. You might say, man, it doesn't have any relevance to me at all. Oh, it has a lot of relevance to us. If we were living over there, you'd understand how much relevance. Now, verse 7. As soon as they heard the band and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down. And they worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Not all the Jews. By the way, all the Jews, except for three, bowed down. Now, why? They knew better, but they compromised their whole life. That's why they were in captivity. Because they were worshiping false gods way before Nebuchadnezzar. Demanding well, simply God, you're second, third, fourth, fifth. We'll worship who's ever there. So it says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. He's talking not about all the Jews that bowed down, but the ones that didn't. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, brownie up a little bit here, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the band and their music must fall down and worship the image of God. There's that word worship again. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But king, verse 12, there are some Jews, Vera, Sebastian, listen, whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. They were jealous of of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they rose to the top. So they're snitches. They're, They're telling on them. He said, there are some Jews you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, these three who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. 
What's Nebuchadnezzar's reaction? Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship, there's the word again, the image of gold I have set up? Now, he should have known better, shouldn't he? It's been true that they don't worship his gods ever since day one. But he asked this question. Now, what is Nebuchadnezzar doing? He's going to give, because he likes them. Remember, they were the cream of the crop. They were valuable to him. So he's going to give them a second chance. A second chance to bow and worship. Now, that brings up a principle that I want to talk to you about. You know, when we're tempted by Satan, and, and we beat Satan one time, be careful you don't get proud. Because when you beat Satan one time, you have to remember, Satan never gives up tempting us. You know, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You remember when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit after he was baptized by John in the Jordan? The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. There he was tempted by Satan. How many times was he, sent, was he tempted by Satan? Tell me. Three times. Three in a row. And at the end of those three, he defeated all of them. And Satan said to Jesus, well, you beat me. I'll never tempt you again. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He said, I'll look for a more opportune time to come back and get you. By the way, he never did get him because he was defeated every time. But be careful. When we defeat Satan, we go, man, I did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm perfectly fine. Careful. It's coming again. Pride after pride, there's always a what? A fall. So be careful. So he's going to give them another shot at this. We don't see any pride in them. But look at verse 15. Now, when you hear the band and all music... If you are ready to fall down and worship, here we go, the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Now look at this statement. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now there's arrogance. What is Nebuchadnezzar saying? I'm the only God that can save you. You're going to have to have the choice now. Those are the only two choices. Nobody else can ever save you. I'm the only one. Your lives are in my hands. No other gods are as powerful as I am. Now, he ruled the kingdom. Because of that, he was allowed to command people to do what he wanted. Do you know that the Bible actually tells us we are to honor and obey those that rule over us. You see, in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, God created the family, he created the church, and he created governments. You see, without governments, there's anarchy. And so God created governments. In every one of those places, the church, the home, and in governments, Authority rules. We're to obey and honor the authority. Parents, your children are to obey you. 
when we get out here in the government, the police, whatever, we're to obey them. In church, you submit to the leadership of the eldership. That, that's the way we do it. But that keeps peace. Now, watch how this is. And this next verse will surprise you, maybe for some of you, because when you read the ramifications of this, we find this here in Romans 13.1. Everyone, say it with me, how many? See, this is written to Christians, but it's really for everyone. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. That's our government, where we're at, local, state, national. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, that does not mean he approved of what they do. Of course he doesn't. But he put them in authority. So we're to honor and obey them. We say, Pastor Mark, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Are there any exceptions to this rule? Yes, there is. Let me give you the exception as we go through. The Bible gives us an out. And you're going to see these guys take the out. Uh, if, If obeying man, some authority, means that we disobey God and his word, we do not obey man. You got it? That's the exception. That's the out. Now, let me show you a picture of that in the early church. Here's the verse, Acts chapter 4. All our campuses, those of you watching online, Acts 4, 18 to 20. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Look at me for a moment. Peter and John had, through the power of the Holy Spirit, healed a man. This caused all kind of, kind of turmoil, kind of like a Trump's kind of things or whatever. All these people there arguing, and the Jewish leaders are going, look, if this name Jesus keeps getting out there, we're done. Now, we're the authorities. So, We're going to take care of this problem. We're going to command John and Peter to do something. So here's what they said. Never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Now, what are Peter and John going to say? Look at it. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? What's the answer to that? Of course not. We cannot stop telling Every, about everything that we have seen and heard. So what does that mean? Here's what John said. Here's what Peter said. Remember earlier, just earlier in this chapter, Peter said this, there's no name under heaven whereby a man can be saved than the name Jesus Christ. And you want us to tell people uh, to stop telling about Jesus? Well, how in the world are they going to get to heaven? Uh, no, we're not going to obey you, even though you're our authorities. We're not going to obey you because we had a higher command from someone else. His name's Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We refuse to shut our mouths and stop naming the name of Jesus. Powerful. Powerful. The reason you're here today? Because they said no. That's how the kingdom of God works. So here's the next thing you want to write. It's back to this principle again. Our first responsibility is always to obey God. It's always to obey God. There's no question in that. Now, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
what are they saying? We don't have to think about this much. We already have decided way long ago what we're going to do. We always obey God first. That's just the way we do life. It's not something to debate. We're not going to debate you. Now, so some commentators believe, we don't know this obviously for a fact, that when the band began to play, on that kind of plain of Dura, there was 300,000 people. When the, da 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 boom, 300,000 people bowed. Picture that. 300,000 people instantly bowed. They didn't turn to each other and say, what are you going to do? They all bowed. Now, why did they do that? They bowed and worshiped the statue because they knew if they didn't, they'd be burned to death. Now, what do you think three people standing out of 300,000 who have bowed, what does that look like? Do you think you're a standout? (laughs) Hello. Three people standing, 300,000 bowing. Now, what was happening in their minds as they're hearing Nebuchadnezzar say, if you bow, good. If you don't, you're going to the furnace and die. Let me ask you to see how good you are. Where is the battle of life played? Point, point two, point to the battle. It's your head, your mind. That's where the battle always is. And who is the one that's bringing wrong thoughts to our mind? Satan. And he is known as a liar and can't speak the truth. So what was going through their mind? Well, we don't know, but I thought about this a lot. Uh, here's kind of a couple options. They're saying to each other in their mind, because Satan brought it, we, we know this isn't a real God, for crying out loud, it's made of gold. Can't say anything, can't do anything, so it doesn't mean anything if we bow. And if we bow, we just keep the peace and we're alive. You say, well, that's not much of an excuse. If you're facing the furnace, that could be a pretty good excuse. Here's another one. If we bow this one time, we will at least have an opportunity to share our faith later with all these ungodly people. That's sounding more realistic all the time, doesn't it? And here's the third one. If we don't bow and are killed, who's going to witness to the 300,000? Because everybody else bowed. Now, they had to go through those kind of things. They would have to capture that thought and say, it doesn't matter. We purposed in our heart long ago simply to trust God, and we will put him first, seek his kingdom first. Everything else will be added to us. So we're just going to do that. Our first responsibility is always to obey God. Today, we learned from Pastor Mark what it means to worship someone or something. We learned about King Nebuchadnezzar's plan to make all of his kingdom worship an image of gold. Despite the pressure, three men chose to worship God. Everyone was created to worship. We will all worship something or someone. What are you worshiping in your life today? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. What consequences come from compromise and what consequences come from obedience? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show listeners how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt more freedom inside the fiery furnace with Jesus than outside of it. When you put God first, He promises to bless your obedience. Your devotion to Him can have long-lasting and life-changing effects on others. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry